0: Rooted, roots, the basic cause or source or origin of something to render firm, to fix, to establish, to cause a person or thing to be thoroughly grounded, stable. In a world we live in today where things don't seem so stable, There's always the stable, there's always the root, there's always the source, there's always the origin, and his name is Jesus Christ. Why do we show up every week and excited about the opportunity to do this, and and the Holy Spirit, we pray, will move on us and rest on us? It's because, again, hope never gets old, joy never gets old. Those things never get old, so you celebrate them. But the cares of the world come along and what try to do what? Scripture says. Choke it out. Do you ever feel like the joy and the peace and the hope? You ever feel like a little bit, just a little bit, it's getting choked out? I guess I'm the only one. Then you come back to these scriptures that we've read over the last few weeks and I pray, Ephesians 3, 16 through 9, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We talked about last week, One of the big challenges about this meandering that we've been using this drawing says non-Christian Christian Christian here if you can't see it from back there and there's a line of why people meander and why they hit red hot and all of a sudden they're down here and I shared with you last week I think one of the challenges many times is we, we misunderstand the why. And like I said, when I came to know Christ as my Savior, my big why was is because I thought I was going to die and go to hell, even though nobody was preaching it. That wasn't even really, even though the Baptist church I was going to at the time, they weren't preaching hellfire and brimstone. I don't even know if I'd really ever heard really hellfire and brimstone. But I had enough knowledge about everything and read, starting to reel scripture a little bit that this was scary. But when I gave my life to Christ in that pickup truck at I-30 in, 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 in New Boston, Texas, in that exit, I, when I gave my life to Christ, I thought I was dying and going to hell. But if that's all I ever kept with, all I ever stayed with, and now I don't have to go to hell, then I can see where you would meander. I didn't know at the time that all this is rooted and established in love. I didn't know at the time that really why I gave my life to Christ, really why that I, I, I stepped across the line was so I could have the fullness of everything God wanted for me. Not just so I could get by so at the end of all this, just in case there's a judgment seat, and just in case there really is a hell, just in case I've got my bases covered. No, what we find out is, when we, when we really fully lean into this is the reason why we never even worry about where this line is anymore is because we realize that God's intent all along us, so we would live into the fullness of what he had for us. Changes everything. Changes everything. The why now is different, right? The Colossians 2, 6, 7. So then... In other words, you go, whatever else was before it, you can go read. But so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. If I ask you today, if you had a scale, and of all days for me to be sniffling, just want you to know, once I start weeping just a little bit, I'm in trouble. If you had a scale today and you could measure that, would you say, if you were honest and you had other people speak into it? If you're, let's say it's kind of like where you're raising money and it's 10 is the high and zero is the low. If you're a your scale, whatever that is, and, and, and we ask you the question, do you have a spirit of entitlement or a spirit of thankfulness? Which one would you be higher on? we haven't even have a spirit of entitlement with with our spiritual life, not just everywhere else. But when you read Scripture, not only do you not see any of the writers living a life of entitlement, matter of fact, they were shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten. 11 of the 12 disciples died a martyr's death it's kind of hard to figure out where we get a sense of entitlement in our American culture and elsewhere from the spiritual realm. So we, if we're not careful, we'll just try to get laws made so we won't have to deal with persecution. Well, I read scripture Persecution actually advances the church. I don't think I can find historically where it squashed the church out. Ask China. We run from stuff at times. It's the very thing that's going to cause us to expand. Unless we feel entitled to security and safety and all these things. I don't see that in Scripture. Matter of fact, when when your central metaphor is an instrument of death—a cross—it should give you a hint. It's not a recliner. It's not a Porsche 911. It's not a big house or a swimming pool. If that'd be a big chain, I get it. It should give you a hint. And if you're visiting for the first time, thank you for being here on this Pentecost Sunday. It's the birth of the church. When I begin to think about overflowing with thankfulness, which is where I'll pick back up on the the other part next week. I'm skipping that for today when we knew we were doing baptism. when I look at Pentecost and I begin to think of what God did there, I'm kind of stunned how I'm not walking with this great thankfulness every day. Let me read a passage of scripture for most of you who've read it before if you know about Pentecost. But... Acts 2, 1, 8, 14 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. Oh, this is, excuse me, this is, yeah, 2, 8. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galatians? Then how is that each of us hears them in one native tongue? Let me stop right there and just say they're coming to, 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 to Jerusalem for the festival and their pilgrimage for the festival, some suggested that the Feast of Pentecost might very well have attracted over 250,000 Jews from all over Palestine. Maybe 15, maybe up to 50 languages being spoken. That's the picture. Now think of this massive crowd and and all these languages, but then the Holy Spirit picks then. I wonder if it's an accident, coincidence. No, I don't think so. goes on, then Peter stood up, and verse, verse 14, stood up to the leaven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, some of you would go, well, wait a second, I don't think that matters to some people. I get that. <laughs> now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And the days in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, everyone, everyone. It means everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved now get this social, gender, racial barriers would be overcome because of what's happening here the gospel will be shared with every people under heaven The Christian church was the first institution in history to bring together on equal footing Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, men and women, and they would be scattered from east to west. You've heard me say over and over on this ladder, right here we come at the cross at the same place. There is no caste system. There is no men, women. There is no social data. We come here on the same ground. What makes the difference is how obedient we are as we move along with him. When we hear his voice and we act on his voice and we act in obedience, man alive, that's what makes the difference in how you move in the kingdom and how much power you walk in and how much you're able to do for him. It has nothing to do with how you're born, from social to gender to race, equal footing. One moment, and we talked about it over the last few weeks about the natural man, and one moment, the supernatural interrupts the natural. And the world will never be the same again. It was the presence of God making his house in believers. But it wasn't, here's what some of you need to hear it, and it's the reason why this matters Enrooted. Rooted it wasn't just the fact that God made his home in believers he also brought his power for the believers to walk in all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me Jesus says, go you know what the Hebrew word and Greek word for go is? go I don't know that. I don't know that. It doesn't change. Go and make disciples. Go. Go. All the authority has been given unto me. I'm giving it to you. All the authority. But you've got to go wait, right? You've got to go wait. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To be my witnesses literally means martyr back to the cross, back to the instrument of death. To be my martyrs. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guess what? The disciples' whole vision... The whole vision they had for Jesus coming was so they could just right the wrongs and them be in charge of their homeland, them be in charge of the promised land. Basically, they be over the Romans to the Romans over them or whatever. That was their vision. And Jesus comes along and says, Your vision ain't big enough. Your vision's too tiny. Have you ever wondered if you ain't dreaming big enough? If you start moving with him, and like we said before, this begins to get narrower. Your focus begins to get narrower. You begin to look at things different. You begin to get very focused on what God's doing in your life and what he wants to do in your life. And you begin to make the changes that we talked about in advance. Many weeks ago, you begin to leave things off out of your bags. You don't take those those things with you in your bags because they can't go where you're going. And I'll guarantee you, you begin to be obedient and you begin to walk with the Lord and you begin to move when he says move in the crisis of belief and you move and you stretch and you do those things, you will never, ever worry about that, ever. Because you're too busy figuring that out. But there is this overflowing. I mean, you start reading thankfulness. I mean, you shall receive power. Jesus didn't see disaster on the horizon because wh- you look at the disciples when, they, when Jesus was in the tomb, or, or and when, they, when they looked at that, they thought everything had blown up. And even when he ascends, go back and read it, they're still wondering what's going to happen now. And Jesus does not see, I think it's good news for some of you, Jesus does not see disaster on your horizon. I am so thankful that Jesus does not see me always as I am. He sees me as I could be. Changes everything. Now I've got to start acting on some things. I gotta got move down the road. I've got to, when he shows me and I'm in the word and I'm the Spirit's moving and he's moving in circumstances, he's moving in people around me. He gives me gifts and graces. We can talk talk a lot about that today, how he imparts gifts to us and things of that nature. But one thing he definitely does is give us boldness to walk this out. We say over and over here, tongue to speak what you'd never speak before because you've been born again by the Spirit. You imagine... this group of disciples go from this tiny gathering in one corner of the Roman Empire and the Spirit comes and they leap the boundaries of Palestine and set into motion something we're still responding to today. And all he promised them was, I will send one who will be your guide I don't have a lot more instructions for you. I think it's Acts 16, 17, wherever, where the Jerusalem council is trying to figure out whether the, the Gentiles should be circumcised, not circumcised, and they're trying to work through all this, and they said no, and they said it just seems right to us in the Holy Spirit. This is what we should do. And if and you ever acted that way, just going, it just seems right. I don't have a word from God. I don't know what to, I don't have it a writing in the sky. It just seems because we look to the Spirit to guide us. We surround ourselves with people who we hope and pray that are going this direction too. Because the thing you don't want to get advice from is people who are trying to figure this out when you're working in the spiritual realm. because They will drag you down. Again, I want to make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying. Sometimes you do need to hear what I am saying, but don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we don't minister and we don't be friends with people who are going run, who, who we feel like. And what I mean by that is that, that you know are not trying to chase after God. I'm not saying you don't minister to them like I've said over and over here. I'll minister to anyone, but I choose my influencers very, very carefully. Because my influencers influence everything about me, influence how I'm a father, influence how I'm a, I'm a husband, influence how I'm a leader in the church. So who I let influence me is different than who I minister to often. So just make sure you understand that. Because Christ wants to save all people. And I don't get to decide who it is and who it isn't. What I do get to do is, is try to be an instrument, a vessel, a conduit for that to happen. That means I got to get myself out of the way. We'll talk more about that hopefully next week. And how I got to get me out of the way. Because me clogs up a conduit. You want to clog up a conduit of what God's wanting to do in the power? Just get me in there. Just keep me self in there. I believe something happens in a person's life. shifts when the Holy Spirit begins to get a hold of them. But one thing I think all of us need to begin to and, and, and this guy needs to remind, is reminded of it as much as anybody, because there are so many distractions this day and age, it's hard I can't even count them all, how you can be distracted. But so often we invite the Holy Spirit into our worship services. We should. We invite the Holy Spirit into certain things. but we need to invite them into our TV watching, into how we do our finances and how we need to do our recreational time, and how we need to do our time away. No, you don't just to go, well, I'm a Christian here, and I'm not a Christian here. I don't want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. No, that's not how it works. It's a conduit, a flow, a steady flow. you need to be real careful in, figure, in trying to decide that you can just jump back and forth. Yeah, I'll tell you this, and this is one thing that should scare you a little bit. In Scripture, fence straddlers don't do good. They just don't, it just doesn't turn out well, and that's the reason why it is, concerns me at times. <laughs> be careful. Don't let the cares of this world come along and choke it out, but be careful. Be around people who may call you out, but have the, have the ability to call you out, who allow you to call you out. Going, yeah. you, you don't want to do that, not because they want to be judge and jury of you, because they love you because it's rooted in love. That's why they would call you out. Surround yourself with people who are rooted in love, and they want the best for you. They're not impressed by you. They're not scared of you. They're not afraid you're going to quit being their friend. People who love you who will say, I get it. I may not agree with all of it, but man alive, I know you love me because you're bringing it up. Now, you need to do it the right way. Try to do it the right time. But one of the misconceptions I had about Christianity was, all this time was, way before when I gave my life to the Lord at 27, like I... uh, Told you before when I turned 20, when I was twenty-seven, I didn't know stay from sikkim as far as when you're trying to train a dog. I didn't know any of that in the end of Christianity, to be honest with you. I didn't know what any of the terminology meant, I didn't really know what any of it meant. But what I did know was as soon as I gave my life to the Lord, is to begin to try to walk in the spirit. I didn't know what that meant, but every time the Lord prompted me, I would just talk to somebody. What a concept. The Holy Spirit moves on me, I feel like, and say, okay, go don't speak to that person. You mean that person over there? Yeah, okay. Thank goodness I outgrew that. Thank goodness, right? I know more it urban man say this barbarian running around just trying stuff. I'm this civilized good little Christian now. Don't do those things. Because if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will seem uncivilized at times. Going, what in the world are you doing? That doesn't make a lick of sense. I know, but I believe God prompted me, and if I'm wrong, He knows my heart. I know we can cop out on that. Yeah, I, I get that. But I'd rather. I think God's going to be at the end when it's all said and done. I don't think His issue is going to be. You tried too many things for me oh you're almost there but you tried too many things in my name you just were you were just on fire and man you just needed to chill out a little bit I just don't think that's going to be it well done good and faithful well done A few weeks ago, when I think about this overflowing with thankfulness, I get kind of sick to my stomach at times that I'm not near as much as I should be. Because if I get to the end of life and people ask me to the end of life, whenever that is, you know, one one of the things people say, Well, I wish, you know, I regret. My biggest thing is I regret I wish I'd have done more things. My biggest regret is I didn't celebrate enough. I really do think that's going to be, I, did, I wasn't thankful enough. I, I'm more about what needs to be than what has been. And I realize what has been can keep you there too long. Don't misunderstand, don't hear what I'm not saying. You can do has been and begin to camp out there and you never move forward. I get that. But I also know that there are times when you stop and you go, how thankful I am for the life, how thankful I am for what God has done. I'm how thankful for that I am a, a follower of Jesus Christ and He can do whatever he wants to with me. And we've said over and over, I don't know how I'm gonna die, but I can sure, sure certainly heck decide how I'm gonna live. Colton and I were working on some things the other day, and and if you're here new, Colton's my my son, and and we were talking about it. And I just we were listening to the song Champion as we were working on things and worship music blasting through this little part of condo we're working on, and and uh, and I said to him, I said, "Bub, I said, can you imagine? Can you even imagine if we didn't have Christ in our life? Can you even get your mind around our family and our life?" if we had not made decisions along the way. I can't, I can't even process that. Then a few weeks ago in Colton and Summer, and and I told Tori and Bryce the night before, and then the next night I was taking, we, we my brother-in-law had, many of you know, passed away about six weeks ago, five weeks ago, and suddenly, and so all of us, and again, if you're new here, I've got four children, and uh, and so we were all went back with, with uh, uh, a, a couple of our outlaws, in-laws, I mean, Summer and Bryce. Uh, no, but, so we were back there and they flew into to Love Field and so we came in one night, going back to the airport the next night, so it was a 24-hour really turnaround to the airport area. The First night I went there, I put into Siri, leaving from Decatur, Texas, directions to Love Field. What I did not think about in that moment was, had not crossed my mind at all, is that it was going to take me to I-35 to Denton, Texas, and go down Denton, go to I-35 to Love Field, which makes sense when you look at it, but never thought about it. But what I didn't think about was going down that highway, six th- I-35, is going through Louisville, Texas. It's where I lived when I was so far away from God in 1984. And I'm driving down through th- 35 and you go through Louisville, where I work for Texas Instruments, and, and realizing Oh, I know what the next place is, and it's where 35 goes up from the 635, 35 South goes up from the 635 East, and it was where, in, in, in the fall of 1984, I was going to commit suicide, and I was going to drive my nice-looking 77 Red Grand Prix <laughs> up into one of those pillars. Because I knew a friend of mine had died there accidentally about a year before I knew it would b- work, because of where my life was and how far away I was from God. I was praying. I was walking Lake Grapevine, day to day, walking Lake Grapevine, praying that God would do something. I don't know that he didn't hear me. I, I was lost. I didn't believe in Jesus. I was just praying to something. Anybody ever done that? You don't know. You're just praying to something that somebody will hear you because you can't live where you're living. I had a great job. Great friends in that world. <laughs> All of us pretty messed up, but they were still great friends. But I found myself alone and alone way too long and alone most of all without that inner spot, that void that should have been filled a long time ago and I knew it, I didn't know what it was. But as I drove my car towards that, that pillar that day, I believe it was the Holy Spirit that somewhere in that car, it was, people say, was it audible? I said, well, I think it was louder than that. I don't think it was audible. But stop this car, I'm not through with you yet. So I'm driving down, I'm driving down 35, go headed towards 635 to go pick up four of my, my four kids and thinking about this. Did it the first night and, and, and told Tori and Bryce about it as we were going back the next night. We're driving, but what was cool about it was the next night, I'm also taking my other kids who are in the car with me and, and we're driving down through there. And I said, Guys, last night, and they had never really driven that road with me before ever. I said, Last night I was about right here. And maybe you know the song Champion? from Bethel Music. And I said, I was listening and blaring as loud as I could in this Yukon that my cousin that we would borrowed. And it's these words, you're my cha- champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. And we began to sing that song as we went to Love Field at the top of our lungs as we drove by that marker. The reason I had not come to the Lord so many years before because I thought it was boring. I thought it was restrictive. I missed the why. And because I ran from the why for a whole decade... Literally from 16 to 26, I ran so long, I almost took my own life, which I don't know what all that means in, in God's economy of everything else. But what I do know is when I did give my life to the Lord in 1986, I found out I had it upside down. As a matter of fact, I had more freedom than I ever thought about in my life. I've laughed more, been on more adventures than I ever could have imagined because I have faith to step out that maybe just maybe God said, go do this. It seems crazy. Let's go do it anyway. I'd have never done that before. Oh, I was crazy like I'd go get drunk and we would drive car at two in the morning with probably a, 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 point, a point two oh alcohol level. Oh, that's really living dangerous. It was. I'm talking about adventurous. I'm talking about with some freedom. I'm talking about making a difference in choices you make and making differences in other people's lives because you make those choices. Today, there's a couple of folks going to come because they have said, I'm making that next step. I believe God has said to me and the Spirit has said to me to be obedient and take this next step. And for some, baptism, I know some places you know, I've grown grown up around it where if you didn't get baptized that day, you're in trouble. If something happened to you, I've been around churches like that. God bless them. It's fine. Others, you get baptized once, you've got to get baptized again if you go to another church. It's Not us. But we do believe that baptism is an obedience and a following of Jesus Christ. It's To come to say public what has already happened in your heart, just like a marriage. Uh, The folks that are going to come today is not that they gave their life to Christ today, even though it could happen. (laughs) But what I want to say to you is, baptism for us, like communion, is so intimate and so personal, but so communal. It's both. So when folks come and get baptized, it not only builds the faith of those who are getting baptized, it builds the faith of the people around them. We come together around the Lord's Supper, it builds all of our faith together. We do this together. And when we begin to talk about everything's going to be online or half the people, that may be true. And God bless you guys who are, especially those who are out of state or those who are not ready to come back. We're so excited that we've got this avenue now. And Ricardo, we've already mentioned that we've got that avenue, which we didn't have 15 months ago. But I also believe there's something happens in the room that doesn't happen otherwise because the community comes together physically. But we're going to do both. We're asking the Lord to help us figure out how to do that well. But I'm excited about the opportunity today for a couple of our young people that, again, known one of them a long time. And, uh, and they may be like me, where I could have been 25, not 25, I wish it was 25. I'd be younger. 35 years ago, I'm just glad I stuck around to see what the fight was all about. Because I believe there's fights in the heavenly realm over churches, over cities, over individual lives. Just go look at Ephesians 6 if you struggle with me saying that this morning in other places. But I'm just glad the ones that are coming today. You've stuck around to see what the fight's all about. And who knows what all God has in store for you. So I'm going to ask those to come. Uh, I think, I don't know who's doing it first. Allie and Ken are going to come and read for us this morning. I'm going to ask the band to come on up too. Give us just a couple of seconds. I'm going to help get some of this out, this out of the way as they come.